Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast, and we today are in the Wiggly. What shall we describe it as? Hut. Pagoda. Shed. Uh, uh, we called it. Pipism. Its genesis was a talks pavilion, wasn't it? Oh, darling! Do you remember? And, I uh, do. And I, I think it's uh, yeah. Subsequently, it's been called many things. Was <laughs> <laughs> it by me last? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure when the rain was driving through it. <laughs> And it was offering no protection whatsoever. But different, You're different, such yeah. a moaner. Look at this <laughs> epitome of luxury. Yeah. This now is a five-star Torx Pavilion. And do you know why? It has shutters. And it, they are uh, rather, uh, rather useful shutters, I think. Practical and endearing in one foul swoop. Anyway, I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers. I'm Palmer Phil. And I'm Richard. Oh. Occasionally, if we <laughs> I was just going to say, have you all left? Anyway, we're at Hay Festival and we are in the field at Hay Festival, which I think is called Worst Weather Field in the World. I think you can set off from any direction, anywhere, whether that's Webley, London, New York, and everything is sunny until you approach this field. That's very true, you know. Yeah. I left home this morning. It was not. It wasn't it was a bad beautiful. day. I got up here and it's yeah blowing a bit of a hoolie. Yeah, and I think this is worst weather field. Yes. Yeah, man, anyway. We are used to it here, aren't we? We are. This week's show, we've got Jen and Beck who are setting up a floristry with My Dream Farm. We got some mega big news about the Wiggly Podcast, which has now had in one day two point six squillion. Listeners. Two point six. What does that mean in real terms then? Two point six with six noughts on it, Rich. I know, you, I know you have trouble no, with I your decimal points. Two point six. Yeah, it's two point six million listeners. Yeah. In a day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I can have you right. Is that right? <laughs> You'll find <laughs> out <laughs> later, Richard. <laughs> anyway, first of all, we're going to tour the wiggly gun. We're going to find out what's going on, and we're going to tell you all about Hay Festival. The economy of hay and surrounding areas has a massive boost during this time. What do you reckon? I, I reckon you're absolutely right. There was, a, there was a feature this morning on Evan Davis was talking to a lady artist down in Hay on Wye who, who only opens her home up during the festival. So the people kind of flood in and see all the amazing work, a lot of landscape stuff. She was certainly in her 70s now and uh, she started when she was 68. And she rather regrets she's sort of left it this late because she's become a huge success. And for the life of me, I can't remember what she's called. But it, it's a real example of having the opportunity to achieve something. Obviously, she's very talented. But because of this massive influx of people from all over the world, people that are in various sort of uh, significant positions in life, she's done very well. And I think that's probably echoed right away across the whole town. Jane the Burger, lass. Extreme organic, she does well in Hay Festival. Does she? Yeah. yeah. She gets her own lamb and makes her own burgers and she sells them from the stand just up there. Right. She does a mean bacon and egg butty. Yeah. A mean bacon yeah, and egg butty. Actually, Sandra in bought fact, us all one yesterday. Yes, I, think. I heard rumour yeah, of wiggly nice. budget being spent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had to, nice. Excellent. It had to be okayed once back at base. <laughs> no. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, what about farmers, Phil? Well, I mean, 
it they get a lot of uh, tractor work. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it pours with rain and they have to be hurriedly employed to come and pull all the cars out. But I mean, it, the whole locality gets this huge boost from a hundred odd thousand people come here. They're all by and large quite well to do they spend money in the pubs they stay in the guest houses some of them are staying on campsites on farms but it's it's like a sort of early summer advert pr campaign for the area so that then throughout the, the rest of the summer you know you've got people coming canoeing on the y you've got people coming for the bookshops and all the other things that hay in the surrounding areas have got to offer yeah. and of course you get media interest through the TV and so on it goes worldwide thanks to the, the VIPs who come and speak here Do you know who we had tea with last night? Uh, you did mention that you uh, you bumped into uh, uh, Marianne Faithful <laughs> <laughs> no. Mariella Frostrop <gasps> Unfortunately she didn't speak and nor did we, we were too shy <laughs> Do not, you know, not go and say Can I have your photo? Can no. I have my photo taken with you? No I was I, just I having my drone. No. Can, can you imagine walking up to someone and saying, uh, oh, "Could I have your autograph, please?" Yes, I went up to Why Alvin Hall that? and Why said, you "I love your show." Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's a bit different, isn't it? I mean, that's it's, it is complimenting someone yeah. when they're in a queue at the airport. You know, you don't want to yeah. go up to someone when they're enjoying <laughs> having their tea, having a nice bit of food, and yeah. uh, can I have your autograph? She had muscles. I, by I used to work for yeah. work Probably for somebody who who from time to time had their autograph required of them. And because it was involving horses, it was always sort of 12 and 13-year-old girls. And I said to her, but then you ever get fed up with people coming and asking you to sign their copy of Your Pony or whatever? And she said, no, it just massages my ego beautifully. (laughs) And on that note, this garden was your idea, wasn't it, Rich? This is your dream, this permanent garden. It it was something that uh, a few years ago we we aspired to, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think we'd have this garden without you, so let's go and have a look at the utter highlights of this year and warn people that we've got various video casts coming up. We're about to record Farmer Phil opening a sack of Bokashi. Really? Yes. So doing something physical. We've got Terry Walton, who's going to show us how to grow veggies. Yep. And we've got a beautiful hay video of the garden. So if you want to see more, not just listen to that reversing tractor, then you need to go to the Wiggly Cinema shortly. Now, give it a moment, because Michelle has to do a lot of editing. Let's go. Right, Rich. Yeah. These are my mystery. These are your mystery? Yeah. Let's go in then. Yes, well, you can get in there. Oddly enough, I have been in there myself. Have you? you? Know. I did. I went in there to see how well it works, to see if they're quite, quite fun. I, I can probably get in. I need to, I need to take my hat off. Yeah. Let me get in there. Right. I'm in here with you. Okay. Oh. There we go. Gosh, you are long, aren't oh, you? I'm going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, too long to get in here with you. Come right. in, Rich. There we go. Okay, I'm going to try and get this wise. It doesn't, you made these doesn't big enough. Less, less entertaining. Well, I made them. I, I made them large enough. Oh, my thing's caught. Oh, I made them large enough for four-year-olds. But right, not, I see. Not for six, oh, but three, four-year-olds. You mean we're not thirty-nine-year-olds? We're not supposed to be in here. Okay. Oh, that's a problem, isn't it? Hello. Because <laughs> you're not bad looking, close though. Thank yeah. you. Do you want my teeth yeah, out? Looks nice as well. Got nice eyes, actually. Oh, What's the fair. point of them? 
for children to <laughs> run through and run around. And, and actually yesterday, it was a quiet day yesterday, you know, first day of the festival and things like that, but uh, Michael and Mary got some great footage of little children fraping into here and they sit in here and they can chat and they can, they can go through the ends. And I brought my shears with me because I'm going to uh, prune the exits so that they uh, give them a sense of direction. Oh, and I, I and see. I know, and I know you cunningly put <laughs> yeah. the table and chairs <laughs> in my place to try and discourage such things. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, I don't but, want uh, any children <laughs> on the garden at all. In the garden. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but these are fab. I'm pleased with the way these turn out. And what a, it's a very different day to the one that I came up between Christmas and New Year to, uh, to put these in. Uh, they look fantastic. Are they easy to make? I mean, did you? Piece of cake to make, really. It's just a question of. uh, But how come they grow? Because they're sticks. They they are. They're willow. So uh, it's uh, just just a question of (laughs) making a hole and sticking both ends into the ground. And and, it just works. And bending them over, and it works very well. Willow tends to grow better. People always think that willow grows well uh, in really boggy ground, but it grows best in well-drained ground that has access to, to moisture but um, it's much better when the, when the ground drains so they're not constantly sucking water but this is a, you know it's, the soil here is relatively moist you know perfect place for, for willow bowers does it support any native species or anything uh, you certainly will uh, willow's great for, for attracting lots of wasps wasps <laughs> yeah you need to find at the end of, at the, end of the season so we've got here. the children here and then they get stung <laughs> by the wasps and then well, they don't come back fortunately for us <laughs> The hay festival finishes long before these things will get inundated with wasps. I mean, schools often suffer from uh, wasps inundating their, their willow structures. But, you know, towards the end of the year, so it's around about sort of uh, you know, September, August, September time. And Eden have had real problems with their willow um, sculptures because they get they tend to get uh, proliferated with wasps at the end of the year. Yeah, but these will be fine here, so that's a good thing. I don't think I'd have put them in had I, had I thought that the festival was going to run. Uh, at the end of the summer rather than at the beginning. Really? Good yeah. Lord. OK, let's go and have a look at the chamomile seat. Fabulous. We've got to try okay, and get out of here. And of course, I've got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go out feet, <laughs> feet first <laughs> because I, I came in head first and there's absolutely no way I can, I can turn around. You're very long, aren't you? Know, yeah. That's the trouble. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> almost sort of, sort of bend myself. <laughs> <laughs> I went myself into two. Oh, here we go. There we go. Wow, well, I hadn't managed. I hadn't considered I'd need to get in this again, but I'm glad I did. Oh, it takes me back. God. Superb. Yeah, very hard. Okay. But they're very robust, you know, those things. That's what I, I, mean, I love about willow is you can, you can knock it around. And that's perfect for children, of course. And I love the edge around the garden because we've got all this ragged robin, which looks yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous, isn't it? And it's come out really well. I mean, this is perfect this time of year. In fact, it's probably one of the main uh, features of the garden, certainly one of the floral features, because it's, um, it's perfect. It's just the right timing. And they... I was disappointed with the apple blossom because, you know, those apple trees? Yeah. I asked the guys... Um, whether they could uh, supply us with some apple trees that blossomed at this time of year. And they said, yeah, yeah. So they gave us these trees and then most of the blossom is finished. And I kind of think they probably just gave us some uh, apple trees that, uh, that, that were <laughs> left over <laughs> in stock. <laughs> anyway, not to worry. But they do, there's uh, a couple in blossom, but there's, uh, there's, at least there's plenty of fruits on those for some, uh, some harvesting later on in the year. And this bund here is great, isn't it? I love this bund. And the chamomile smells beautiful. Does it smell? Yeah, mm. it's gorgeous. Actually, it is gorgeous. Well, Joe just done an amazing job planting this up. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Yeah, it's superb. And I particularly like uh, the way that the welly boots are, uh, are traipsing over the top of the of the bun. Yes, that's to stop anybody sitting on the seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think next year it'll look 
absolutely amazing. But I mean, this year it looks really brilliant, but it'll be completely inundated with caramel next year. And lastly, for now, I want to talk about this pile of rubbish. Right. Because on Tuesday, Wednesday, yep. Mark Eccleston, our photographer and wiggly friend, yep. is going to turn this heap of rubbish into a lovely wildlife habitat. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, there's an interesting... Uh, I mean, essentially, it, it kind of almost is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to see what... How he's <laughs> you like ta- it as it is. How he's going to change it, really, because uh, perhaps you just give it a little bit more order, maybe. I suppose <laughs> the, the idea is that uh, it'll just be involving quite-sized people in, in the creation of a, a bit more space for nature on this garden. Yeah, also, he's got some bits to add, so corrugated paper and bug boxes and bits and bobs. So, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, a lot of people won't like that in their garden. No. Whereas no. if it's ordered, yeah. the wildlife don't mind, do they? They don't, they don't, as long as it's undisturbed and the rest yeah. of it. And he's uh, planted some wonderful honeysuckles yeah. next to all the fencing. So the honeysuckle now is relatively large, so uh, they'll settle in. And, of course, the beauty of this garden, in fact, loads of people have, uh, have already said how wonderful they think the garden looks. And, of course, the idea was, when we put the garden in originally, is to have something ever-changing and to make small but significant improvements year on year and that's exactly what we've done over the course of these last six months do you like the wiggly b and b for bees as i i'm always impressed by your your uh, ability to pluck <laughs> such expressions <laughs> from the air well i didn't pluck that uh, one that one is thanks to karen at hopton house b and b okay who at her b and b has made a b and b for bees too Oh, wow. So she gave me that idea. Oh, fantastic. And Help the Bees, Save the Bees on Twitter also came up with that idea. So that's why we've got a little special bee garden with all sorts of bee nesters. One working mason bee nester and some bug bricks and things to encourage people to think about bees this year, particularly because they're not in good shape, are they? No, it's dark decline. But, you know, it's funny. I heard something the other day that uh, urban bees are doing much better than rural bees. So people with hives in the middle of Islington seem to be uh, managing their uh, their bee populations much better than uh, people in the darkest depths of Herefordshire. Going to blame the farmer again? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Phil to defend himself? Oh dear, yeah. not around. He's just opening a sack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what he's good at, oh, opening sacks. Poor Phil. <laughs> oh, just before we finish, Rich... I must ask you to show me that fungi because you really like that fungus, don't you, on that oh, apple tree? I, I do. I well, do. What is it? Let's just go a- and have a look. Apple graveyard. All that tinking you can hear, dear listener, is because it is raving windy. It's not exactly a gale, but you know, it's windy. It's atmospheric, these, isn't it? Yeah, and there's these lovely, massive, colourful purple and blue and lilac flags, and they keep tinking everywhere. But uh, can you hear them? Tink, tink, tink. Tink, tink. Well, it's quite nice when you look up in the sky because the sort of air pressure is uh, is relatively low. All the, all the house martins look quite low down and you see there's a few swifts in amongst them as well against that oh, yeah. sky. So here we are. We're going along the Wiggly Walk. I put it to public right-of-way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. And so I'm looking at the apple tree that's... Well, in the apple graveyard? Yes. Apple tree graveyard. And there's some beautiful looking mushroomy stuff. It's wonderful isn't it? I'm not sure what species of uh, bracket fungi it is but uh, it is nevertheless a bracket fungus of sorts. And What's I, it doing? I find it the, the most wonderful thing because you've almost got those sort of concentric rings 
that you might see in the uh, in, you know in the in the annuli in the middle of a, a tree trunk. You know, yeah. Just, just kind of emerging, and it's just a, kind of that wonderful layered feathery finish on the outside of the of the tree. Well, of course, fungi are, are decomposers, aren't they? I mean, ultimately, that fungus is is breaking down and rotting down that tree. You know, it's feasting on the deteriorating tree. That's what's giving it life. You know, it's one of the, the many uh, decomposers that that will ultimately break that tree down and turn it into uh, into something to uh, continue feeding the meadow. And does that tree support lot or presumably supports lots of what centipedes what yeah, well, all what's sorts in there? of little mini beasts in there. Well there will be like exactly as you say there'll be centipedes that are, that are feeding on and some of the uh, the herbivores amongst the uh, the, the bark like wood lice and, uh, and and there are millipedes and there will be various ground beetles all sorts of little creatures that you need to get in the garden to attract the rest of the wildlife. In fact, there's a, a little spider just on that stone there that's kind of making a break for it. You see? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and all these things. I mean, that's suddenly, and interestingly, when I was doing this garden, because the garden's in the middle of the, this field, you, you kind of think, I wonder what the wildlife it's going to attract. But it's, it's um, a wonderful little paradise in the middle of this field because if, when all the marquees have gone in a couple of weeks' time, They've got this big, blank, grassy space full of you know, rye grasses and things like that, and a few sheep, nothing else. So there's a world of opportunity for, for all sorts of creatures here. But when I was doing the uh, little rain garden, this, this moisture-retentative area that, uh, that we have below <laughs> us, there was a little rabbit bouncing underneath the, this, uh, the staircase you know, ah, as I was digging it. I saw him, Rich. Did you? Yeah. I'm afraid he was flattened just over there. Oh, dear. That's Sorry about that. Oh, no, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, it does look fantastic, doesn't it? Everything's really coming into its own now. And I just, I think it's a wonderful example of how Wildflower Turf, for instance, turns out. Because people often balk at you think, oh, that's quite expensive stuff. But isn't that amazing? You know, there are no thistles, there are no docks, there are, there are no nettles. There's it, one. It's just, uh, that, that nettle there is actually uh, ensconced in the, in the root of that, uh, that apple tree. So uh-huh. I think it probably came with, the, uh, came with the apple tree. But we'll leave that nettle. See how it goes. So hopefully it won't inundate the space, but it won't. It should, nettle shouldn't do too well here because there's, there's very little nutrient. It's pretty poor ground. But people get annoyed because their wildflower garden looks wonderful one year, and then the next year it's all changed. It is but an ever-changing thing. I but like don't you that. think that's wonderful? Yeah, I think that's the best thing. It's but our village hall, you know, at the moment, the first year it was absolutely flowery, and this year it's sort of plantainy. And but there is flowers there, yeah. but they don't like it as much because. It's not as flowery. Yeah, but yeah. I like the grasses. I think they're cool. It's just getting used to the fact that it's not going to be the same every year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. And sometimes you, know, you do get a whole load of plantains in there, and it might mean that you need to tweak the garden a little bit. You know, you need to go out there and, and uh, just get uh, a little spade and cut out the plantains to, to thin yeah. them out. You yeah. know, pave the way for some of the other species. Everything, every patch of land that looks like it does is maintained in a certain way. So, you know, and why would you not want to be involved in some maintenance? It's all part of the process, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how all those oxide daisies have clung around where the fence is? Yeah. There why seems to be a proliferation that? there, doesn't there? I don't yeah. know why. But, anyway, uh, come on. Later on the garden than they were last year as well. I, I know, home, last year. They're everywhere. And I've seen them, you know, lots of road verges and things like that. But here... If you just about to go, I think if we have some sunny days, they will, they'll pop out and uh, and give us some of their splendour. But uh, in the meantime, they seem to be a bit reluctant. Anyway, let's go back. 
On the way, I want to tell you that Monty Don's TV programme, My Dream Farm, came to Blakemere last right. week. Okay. And there was two lovely ladies who were going to set up a flower farm. Well, they have set up a flower farm. Right. On the, right on top of a hill in Kent. Right. With the, where the soil is extremely poor. Right. One of them is pregnant and one of them has a broken leg. Right. And uh, they came to see if, um, you know, they were on the right track. And once they'd seen us and what we managed to do, they were very confident that they would make a success of it. Oh, wow. Because if we can, they definitely can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's have a listen to Jen and Beck when they came to Blakemere. And at the same time as this podcast was being made, it was being filmed for the telly. So if you want to see it, it'll be going out in January, February 2010. So keep your eye on the Wiggly Blog <coughs> Facebook group to find out when it's on. Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast. This week on the sofa, you're joined today by Heather from Wiggly Wigglers and I've not got my normal team which is Richard and Farmer Phil I've got two young ladies would you like to introduce yourselves I'm Beck I'm Jen and I'm Beck's cousin oh your cousins are you well we didn't know that (laughs) oh that's nice so this is a family business it certainly is now come on girls tell me all about it what are you doing here there's a television crew on just behind me say hello Mark Hello. And Caroline. Hello. There we are. And they've got the film crew. I'll put the picture up on the blog, blog dear listener, of them filming. It's on the blog rather than the bog, please. Absolutely. <laughs> it's these teeth. The listeners know all about my teeth issues. <laughs> so tell me about your business. Well, we started last February. So we've had one growing season and we're just starting the next. Yeah. And we're growing flowers and foliage and we're selling them as bouquets and we're doing weddings as well and events and events yeah. yeah and we're renting an acre on our family's fruit farm in kent so you know kent and herefordshire have got a few things in common although we've noticed that your soil is a lot more beautiful than ours but um, we're in a real apple growing area you need some worm compost <laughs> well i have had a worm hotel in the past right. sorry i think that might be another brand but i have it's had okay, a worm darling. composter yes in the past but i left it when i moved out of london so um, ah. yes so a london girl has no. left her top job to go and grow a few flowers. No, I'm a country girl, born and bred on a livestock farm in Kent. So I was in London temporarily, yes, getting a bit of a career that I could take anywhere with me. Yeah, and that sort of worked out. So I work part-time as a journalist, but I've all uh, for about six or seven years, Beck and I have been hatching this plan. And it's finally, you know, it's finally happening. So it's really exciting. And I've moved back to the bosom of the family what do the family think because they must are they big farmers are they there's two farms so there's the farm up on the top of the hill which we're growing the flowers on and then there's another farm down in the valley and they're they're not huge farms they're sort of medium-sized fruit farms about sort of 150 acres yeah and the one in the valley is about 100 acres yeah so polytunnel strawberries what's um, the fruit apples 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 and pears yeah with a little bit of arable 
no they're really behind us and really keen um and and i think they're just pleased to see that we're using some of their assets basically because i was trying to think what your, your mum explained when we first had um a proper family sit down about um, was this last year or two years ago mm. we had a sit down to say you know we were serious and we wanted to rent the land and we wanted to rent a shed and we're, we're paying you know the commercial rate for it because as a family we've always found that that works best I mean, we have had some little... We've had favours. I can't say we haven't been helped, but we want to do it on a business level so that there's no falling out. Yeah. But we had a sit-down and... and Don't Mary, tell Farmer Phil, because oh. start charging <laughs> yeah. for his shed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, no, Auntie Mary said that, as you, you might understand from farming, that unless you're an enormous farmer... Farmers don't make a lot of money. And um, so Auntie Mary said that they can't pass lots of cash on to us, the next generation, yeah. but they can pass on this wonderful asset. And we're incredibly, we feel incredibly privileged to be able to use this bit of land. But so the fact that this generation, a whole bunch of us are all showing an interest in the farm in different ways. And as parents, I think that they couldn't have wished for more in, in a mm. way. Otherwise, the farms would probably just be sold. That would be it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got this acre of land and you've got a shed. And you've got more than a dream now. This is in operation. Mm. Yep. What has been your complete highlight of the past year? I think last summer there was a few occasions when we'd be out on the plot, as we call it, cutting flowers. And there's two churches that are either side of the mm. plot. And in the evening, there's a... We're high up, we're, well, we're not that high, but we're up on the green sand ridge looking over the low weald and you get the most fantastic views and the church bells would be ringing in the evening and we'd be there cutting flowers, you know, mm. for a wedding the next day or something and, you know, we'd sort of look up a few times and see each other with armfuls of flowers and that was lovely because... Yeah. You you know we'd spent the winter well since february the, the trees came out in the february and then we had the most appalling weather when you yeah. say and the we trees were, came out heather it, oh, was, it, a was, bramley orchard. it was a bramley orchard. oh i see yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. so and it's been a bramley orchard for decades and um the trees came out in february and then we got the land and we had to rabbit fence it because it is like watership down yeah. and we did it well beck Yes, yeah, so we did it ourselves. Job. We did it ourselves. Two girls and some help from a little bit of help from the boys in yeah. the snow. Last but it was year. just the most grim weather, and it's on the top of a hill, <laughs> so it's quite windblown. And um, have you thought it, about camping for a holiday oh. to really put yourself through it? Oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 I, I don't camping. mind camping. But no, we were just there. We were in the sleet and freezing horizontal rain. You know, just trying to get things set up and trying to get the ground prepared. So to be finally picking flowers in the summer with nice weather mm. and finally having done it you know gone yeah. through all that hardship of the winter to just yeah. you know if we make a go of it this season and yeah. it looks like we can make a bit of money out of it we've got to make our shed more um, people friendly for the winter because the whole plot and shed in the winter is just unbearable mm. yeah it's really cold it's an old um my grandfather started growing mushrooms in the 50s oh yeah yeah and then they kind of stopped in the 80s so there's a load of mushroom sheds and they're really well insulated because they needed to be warm and kind of humid to grow the mushrooms yeah. in so we've got this great shed which is really it's a big area and it's really well, well insulated which in the summer is really good because it stays quite cool so that's really nice for the, the flowers but in the winter it's freezing yeah. cold and yeah. we need to address and a few damp issues and so things, we need to yeah get a bit what's of your there. background then well i grew up working on the farm in my holidays and then sort of after uni for a couple of years or a year or so but I did a degree in environmental biology and then I work as a countryside officer and I do environmental education and I teach I take children on farm visits and teach them about the countryside and 
So and you're I'm, a composter, aren't you? Yeah, and I'm a compost advisor. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to my home. I know, and so we've been, you know, we've I've been getting your catalogues for for years, you know, and like looking at them all. And, and my mummy's a great fan as well. Oh, that's yes. nice. I know. So, I mean, the obvious thing for me to say is you're off your rockers, aren't you? Because how Monty are you? Don't pos- think so. Does he? Oh <laughs> heck! Um, farmers all over the country are struggling to make mm. a living out of 150 acres. Mm. English flower farming, well, it's been on its knees. Mm. You know, I mean, I was so pleased to grow our first crop of sunflowers in Herefordshire mm. because there wasn't any up until that point. But the argument would be, listen, girls, wh- what are you thinking of? Mm. How are you going to make this work? Well, I was working on various newspapers and reading big articles about the negative environmental impact of imported flowers. Yeah. And I just started to feel this sort of groundswell of people starting to realise that imported flowers are not a good thing and that a bouquet of flowers is about the most unenvironmentally friendly present you could give somebody. And I just started to think, right, you know, this is building up and people were getting much more into box schemes for veg and all of that sort of thing. And I thought, right, now is the time to do it. If we don't do it now, we're going to miss the boat. Yeah. That's what I think is the difference between if we'd tried it five years ago or ten years ago. I think that people, now is the time that people will be interested in in Mm. what we're doing. And I think also that the flower industry or the floristry industry is so kind of on the back foot in comparison to the food industry. We've had the the big farmer's market, you know, movement. That's been going for ten years maybe. Yeah. And I, you know, sold apples at farmer's markets with my mum and have seen how you know how that's grown and how just how the food industry has got much more into local seasonal produce yeah. and there's loads of cookery programs and mm. you know lots of people are talking about cooking seasonally or yeah. you know and how healthy it is for you and all this kind of stuff and yet the floristry industry is still the conventional floristry industry is still very into you can get whatever flower you want whatever the time of the year you know, because yeah. we'll get it from yeah. either from Kenya or from Holland from a heated polytunnel. But I think that will slowly, slowly change. Beck and I did floristry courses last year at a local environmental and horticultural establishment. So this is supposed to be at the forefront <laughs> of educating people about floristry and horticulture. And our tutors were utterly unaware of the environmental impact of the materials they were using the flowers we were using and Beck, it was quite funny, I was just sort of subtly chuckling at what we, we were being told and thinking like oh, this and all oh, what a lot of plastic and Beck one day said to our tutor, where does this moss come from that we're using in these in these wreaths? We're making Christmas wreaths. Oh, no. And she didn't know and then I think Beck looked into it and it basically... Well, it's, you know, it's sphagnum moss. And I, I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll give them the... Because the girl thought that it was from a good source and it was all OK. Mm-hmm. But I did a bit of, you know, research on the internet. Sphagnum moss just takes forever yeah, to grow. And there's massive issues. Really, I don't think you can have a sustainable source of sphagnum moss. And we make Christmas wreaths. I mean, I've been making Christmas wreaths for like, I don't know, five or six years, kind of just selling a few, yeah. you know, for friends and family. And I use willow as a base. Yeah. And... And I just couldn't bear making this wreath out of this sphagnum moss. And it's wild. Made you cross, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And, I, and I would question everything. And I'd say... She was the I just would say, oh, where, was the, where are these flowers from? Well, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, just kind of making a bit of a pain for myself. But, so what but, area are you going to serve with flowers? How is it going to work? I mean, how has it worked so far? English and green, as we're... As we're oh, 
that was uh, the cameraman just uh, hitting on. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> English, English and Green English is your and name. Green is That's the, nice. We're lucky in the fact that we're... Very we're, posh. Well, yes. Better we're, than Beck and Jen. Yes, it is. Oh, we could yeah. have morphed our names. It's, it's sort of not supposed to be posh. Hopefully people will see from our website that it's not about being posh. We're lucky in the fact that we're in the southeast of England and we're in the Garden of England. So we are sort of 40 minutes, if it was at four in the morning, from New Covent Garden. Good Lord, um, I'm London, so London's jealous. Not, well, yes, I didn't mean to make it <laughs> sound like that. But we are, London is sort of on our doorstep. Yes. I go up there for work. But so far, we've done a certain number of bouquets for family and friends. We did a few weddings. And I got a little bit of a racket going, taking bouquets up to my fancy office in London. And I take them in. And it's the sort of office where you get the most expensive florists in London, you know, delivering bouquets to the editors to, you know, butter them up. <laughs> and then I come in with... Oh, I must try that. Oh, no, you Great definitely should. Tip. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Oh, I've never um, thought of that. Bribery. Yes, <laughs> it works. Um, I'll walk in with one of our bouquets, and everyone in this open plan office will go, "Wow, what's that? That's really different." And so now I have a little bit of a line in Fantastic. taking bouquets up to my colleagues. Now so. we're sitting here, and Betty TV are here, and you're on this program called My Dream Farm. Yes, and you've mentioned Monty Don. Mm. Now, girlies, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's what I want to well, know. The, the beginning of it. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Well, the nice, the nice thing was that although I sort of work in the media, Betty found us by real chance in the fact that when I moved back from London, I read in my mum and dad's Farmer and Grower magazine, which isn't something I spend a lot of time over, that you... That, that you <laughs> oh, quite good. No, no, yeah, no, no I'm beginning to that, like yeah. it more. But um, that they were giving grants to women returning to agriculture... And I saw this article and I thought, okay, I'm female, I'm returning to agriculture or horticulture, I'll look into this. And then by complete chance, a few weeks later, I I was doing wedding flowers for a friend and I sat down on a table and the man next to me was the guy who allocated grants for that scheme. And he just said straight away, yep, you're eligible. So we applied for these grants, which paid for my horticulture course and our floristry floristry courses and one or two other things. And then... The TV people put an advert out or went looking for people doing this and contacted that organisation and said, do you know anyone who fits this description? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that- so we got a call from lovely Diane who said, there's a production company looking for people. And I think, <laughs> I think they, you know, they'd like you or whatever. So I'm pretty rubbish at getting in touch with anybody. So Jen, passed, <laughs> Jen just got onto it quickly. Email back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was great, and, um, and so uh, someone from Betty came out, did a sort of one or two hour interview with me and Jen to just talk about everything that we do, and then took it back to the board of executives. To the Betty board. The Betty board, yes. to see if we were, you know, what they wanted, and yeah, we were one of the six farms that they chose. Well, For what? For a series, yes. which is coming out in January and February 2010, um, and it's a six episode series and will be one of the episodes and Monty Don is the presenter and we're quite lucky because we're doing horticulture so he's a pretty good advisor yeah. as well um, for us advisor and, and presenter and how have we got here? how are we Ooh. on this television? well because Monty suggested we've got to butter Heather up here well, yes for the podcast yes they absolutely love us well no it's <laughs> well, we've known I've, uh, I've known about you yeah. yes, you know sorry. for a long time 
And uh, Monty suggested that we needed to go and um, talk to somebody, talk to a company that was doing something that we were doing. But also at the beginning they said, who could you go and speak to? Who would be your your sort of dream, your ideal people to talk to? Mm. And we did a very short list. And And you you were at the top. And we said we'd really love to come and see Wiggly Wiggly. Wow, it's been great having you. Well, we really appreciate coming and you've been so open with all your, you know, advice and help and stuff no know. problem but you've been brilliant too i must oh tell you the, the wiggly listener that i think they found us a new way of wrapping the bottom of our bouquets <laughs> which <laughs> is great yeah and i well we've both been part of doing a wiggly bouquet oh, which yes, was exciting we, did. We, oh. made, we both made a wiggly bouquet i wonder who's yes I wonder where did it go that. to do yeah, you know, know who nice to know. It'd be nice yeah. to know. you might have gone to the people i put in touch with you last yeah. week oh <laughs> yeah have you been passing people i did thank you very much that's all right um the other totally brilliant thing about it is that because you are the only people we know of in the country doing this sort of thing, you feel totally lost because you don't have people you can go and ask for advice. So to be able to mm. to meet someone who's been done this ahead of us, is a few years ahead of us, and has learnt from their, you know, maybe from mistakes or, or not, Definitely. just new experience, yeah. it's fantastic to be able to just run really simple questions by you that, you know... Mm. That you've already you've already been there and done it. So. No problem. Now, you can do something from for me. Ooh. What does Monty say? What's Monty the guru told you to do? Because should I do that? Oh. You know, what's his advice? Well, what was lovely, and this does tie in very well with what you're doing, is he told us to totally be ourselves and let our personality come out in our business. And that was really refreshing mm. because the last thing we want to do is be some faceless corporation and and i think wiggly wigglers have done that brilliantly oh <laughs> thanks love oh, you, are. you know you're you're from everything you know from your the personal you know the information that you get when you get a bouquet and, and your website and also your catalogue you know you see pictures of who's working here and the fact know. that your name is totally nuts but it's gone this far <laughs> yeah no marketing guy said you've got to be wiggly wigglers no he definitely didn't in fact complete opposite well i tell you what it's been brilliant having you on the wiggly sofa oh, it's been lovely to and do my first great, podcast yeah it's great that mark put his head in the light as well thank you for that and uh, Caroline's just sitting on the floor relaxing uh, because I don't know what they do, those media types, do you? No. <laughs> hey, no. darling. But podcasts are quite painless. Absolutely. Yeah. Podcasts we'll are painless. We'll have to get podcasting. Now we have to leave it for five seconds for Michael. Okay. Ready? Go. The thing that we've missed is to meet our new chickens. Phil, you've met the new chickens, haven't you? I have, yes. The other evening, Rich, uh, Heather phoned me up and said, um, what time are you finishing work? Can you give me a hand to take the chickens up to hay? I said, yeah, no trouble. So um, the chickens were in their crate and we trundled up to hay and we put the chicken house in the middle (laughs) of the garden. I I sort of was thinking we ought to be careful given that these chickens are new to us. But anyway, hey-ho. I forgot that. I was thinking they were my chickens. And my chickens, you just pick them up and stuff. And they just sort of... Well, you know what they're like. Well, I know they're dead now, but they were, when they were alive, very pleasant chickens. You just pop up to them and they go... And then you pick them up. But these chickens weren't the same. No. (laughs) They were very tame, the last two. (laughs) And um, captured one and put it in the Mm. hen house... And then while she was doing that, one came out of the crate and disappeared behind her. <laughs> and whilst uh, we were looking at where that had gone, the one that was in the hen house came out of the hen house because yours truly hadn't put the door back on it. So and he would point, say, 
you stupid woman and then he left the door open and another one came out and they then started running around the place they went out of the garden and the crowd gathered and Farmer Phil doesn't really like chickens and of course he doesn't like running and so he's got sort of <laughs> looking <laughs> pompous like, doesn't like chicken like <laughs> luckily he left. got his, his luminous green visi <laughs> jacket on visi vest which um, you know left him amply qualified for chicken catching yeah. uh, so he was yeah. looking grumpy and holding his arms out when the organiser of the festival came yeah, along. Yeah, I did. I see a few people mentioned this to me <laughs> yesterday. They said, oh, yeah, we, we saw the chickens escaping. <laughs> did, you, did you help? And they said, no. No. Instead of watch, yeah. another chuckle. <laughs> yeah. They, and um, they said, uh, how are you, Heather? And I said, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, the chickens are just taking a walk. Yeah. And, uh, just giving and them the tour. Wrapped around where, the garden. This is where you're going to be for the next 10 days, guys. <laughs> Splatting ourselves. Trying to capture chickens. <laughs> Did you have visions of them disappearing across the Completely showground? Completely yeah. visions of them disappearing. Luckily, yeah. we Especially had one of the three still in the cage. Right. Yeah. So that, that was what lured the other two yes. back into it. Had we lost all three, then Another they would have been... Another thing we'd have ever seen them And again. I was, no, I was no, thinking no, that I could have rounded them up in, in the Sky News tent. That was looking quite yeah. favourite yeah. as the yeah. corral to put them. But yeah, yeah. You definitely had something to talk about with Marielle Foster then last night. Oh, yes. yeah, you've had some common ground. <laughs> mm. Anyway, the chickens, you know, last time they were called Lillian, Valerie and Flora. Right. After uh, Monty's grannies. Okay. Well, this time they've yeah, been named... Grannies. Great grannies. Well, detail, detail. Um, <laughs> Great grannies Hampton? and grannies. Yes. Okay. Anyway, um, and now this time, Hay Festival have named them. And I'm a bit worried because Oberon is a boy, isn't it? Uh, Oberon? I think it was a, I think it was a, yeah, a Greek god. Oberon? It's like a Shakespeare me. thing. Yeah. <laughs> like so you, that's right. the fairies in Midsummer Night's Dream. That's right. Oberon yeah. is a boy, isn't it? Oberon is male, certainly. And so one's called Oberon, one's called Hermia, and one's called Peas Blossom. And I'm really glad we haven't got a fourth because he would have been called Mustard Seed. Can you imagine that? No. I'm thinking of renaming them when we get home. I bet there'll be some children coming to this festival with more peculiar names than that, though. Absolutely. Now, Rich, don't you want to know how we've reached 2.6 squillion million I do, I do. 2.6 million you're, you're million. talking about. OK, OK. Without yeah, so, fibbing. So, yeah, give it to me straight. I was invited to Woman's Hour on Radio 4, which has 2.6 million listeners, to talk about social media and how raw business can use it. Right. And when I got there, Sid said, who was in charge of the show... Sid said, would you mind if we used a bit of the Wiggly podcast, a clip? Because it's ever so good, you know. Right. Said, it is supposed to be good. He said it's quite professional. I said, it is supposed to be quite professional. He said, the sound quality is good. I said, I'll tell Michael. He said, would you mind if I used it? And I said, let me just think for half a second. No, nope, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> and it went out. On air with Jenny Murray and the Wiggly Podcast made Radio 4 Woman's Act. Fantastic. That is Can't be bad. No, it can't be bad at all. And which particular extract was it, incidentally? Coming up, pesticides! (laughs) Was it a fluke? Farmer Phil something or other. That was it. There Farmer we are. Phil on Woman's Hour, Rich. <laughs> yeah, well, that seems appropriate. No main to you on that Woman's Hour. That seems appropriate, doesn't it? You know that 40% of Woman's Hour listeners are, in fact, men. Are they really? Yep. 
I did bump into a couple of blokes at a WI meeting I uh, gave a talk at once. Bye. <laughs> and it's bye from me. <laughs> bye. Thank <laughs> you.